Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast of The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we are covering the first half of Season 4 in its entirety. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of listener feedback, uh, good stuff from everybody. Uh, before we do that, Aaron has some announcements, right? Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for that supported our Kickstarter uh, that made this expanded coverage possible. It's been a lot of fun doing the instant cast. I've had a lot of fun writing the survival guides. Uh, every Friday, uh, d- you know, learning video casting. We've we've definitely learned a lot. I think we got a long way to go on on uh, getting it all honed in and, and finalized. But uh, um, it's it's all been good. It's been fun. It's all entirely due to the generosity of our listeners. Um, we are nearing some milestones on our fulfillment. We'll have t-shirts, uh, updates and whatnot probably tomorrow on, on Kickstarter. Um, wanted to also thank our season sponsor, Dr. Brandon DeVito of the Brunswick Family Dentistry in Supply, North Carolina. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity, sir, in sponsoring our season. And also, uh, he kicked in a rather, uh, generous donation to our child's play charity that's going on all through December. Wanted to also mention that we're up to $2,080 of our $3,000 goal, and it's just a tenth. Uh, how it works is if you use Amazon.BaldMove.com, our affiliate link, it will uh, give a little bit of your transaction to us for free. It costs well, you nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, what it really does is it, it hits the button that starts up the uh, quadricopters that go to Jeff Bezos' wallet, pull out the money, yes. and bring it to the doorstep of a sick child. So, right, uh, and that's that's how it happens. It doesn't it doesn't cost you anything. It literally just brings joy into someone's life. Uh, at the end of December, we will write hopefully a sizable check uh, to the Child's Play charity that, as Jim mentions, benefits uh, sick children in uh, in the children's hospitals and also kids at the women's shelters by giving them uh, toys and games. Um, so it's a really worthy cause. Something I believe in. Thank you so much for your overwhelming support so far. Um, I love it. Um, it was really I, easy to reprogram those drones. They should have done something about that. <laughs> they, they really should. I mean, that, before it goes too much widespread, before it becomes something other than a theft device, a theft delivery mechanism for Jeff Bezos, they need to lock it down. They really Probably, need to lock that yeah. down. It's terrifying to have those things in the sky. You can just hack like that. Um, oh, a lot of people ask, what are we doing next? Uh, the only thing I can confirm now is that we will be doing coverage of season two of House of Cards. Um, it's going to be unique because it's a unique show. It, it's going to debut live on, uh, or not live, on Netflix on Valentine's Day in February. And that is a Friday. Uh, we believe it's going to drop like it did last time, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. And Jim and I are going to marathon instant cast style every episode and, 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 and shoot to have podcasts for every episode out that weekend. Then we're going to follow up with some sort of lengthy podcast with hopefully feedback um, uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. We're not sure what that schedule is going to be, but uh, we're going to marathon it and marathon podcast just to have uh, a voice out there to, to discuss the podcast or discuss the episodes if you'd like. And again, long form coming in later, but it's, it's something ambitious. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be caffeinated and probably punchy in areas, but, uh, we're looking forward to it. Huge fan of season one. Very excited to see where they're going to take it season two. 
And to the best of my knowledge, nobody else is really doing a podcast like that. I think there's one, a single other podcast, but they do it, you know, once a week, kind of the normal style. We're going to change that shit up and see what happens. Yeah, we know that's not really how people watch Netflix, right? <laughs> uh, they don't inhale it compulsively? No, no, no. I'm saying they do. Oh, they don't yes, watch yes, it one week. It. Yeah. No, it's... it's it, 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 I mean, I'm sure there are people out there like the annoying kid that, like, you know, takes a little tiny bite of their, you know, candy bar and wraps it up and, and sits there looking smug while they've got candy for hours after you've stuffed it in your fat face in 30 seconds. But those people are few and far between. I think most people inhale or watch it in batches for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Are we ready to talk about The Walking Dead? I'm ready to inhale Walking Dead coverage for the last time of 2013. Perfect. Um... So I figure we should probably start with the predictions that we made in uh, last season's wrap-up cast. Um, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, not last season's wrap-up cast, the, the preview cast for this season. Right on. I actually listened to that podcast today, so I think I'm qualified to talk about it. Okay, cool. So did I. Um, so the first person that we want to talk about, these are the, the death predictions uh, for each of the characters in the show. Uh, Rick. We actually let's go through Rick and Carl here because they're they're kind of a pair. Uh, we both said zero percent. Of course, they can't die, right? I mean, this is the show about them. So, I do believe they can die, but I think we're going to certainly be with them for the full five seasons before we even need to worry about that happening. Okay, good. Uh, so then we'll take another pair, Glenn and Maggie. Uh, I had said seventy five percent chance that either of them would die. And a zero percent chance for the other. I think I think you predicted thirty seven point five percent chance for either. <laughs> okay, for for both of them for to die? for either. So that's a combined seventy five percent. It's some All kind right. of weird janky. I don't know new new age math. Um, what did you put for both of them dying? Zero percent chance. Yeah, yeah. And now and I was zero percent chance for the set. Just period. I didn't I didn't think that they would do that to us uh, after putting them through so much last season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daryl is next up. I said 1.257% uh-huh. uh, as just kind of a bullshit number that was not zero there because, right. you know, it may be interesting because he's such a great character for them to just kill him off, but he's so cool that I didn't see that happening. what I say? Uh, you said 10% on that. Yeah. And, boy, that was uh, it's a long shot, but I felt like we almost got there in the, the season ender. Uh, for, yeah, I mean, without that three bar there, stretch, for a good thirty second stretch, I thought maybe I'd cash in on that uh, long odds bet. Um, but you know, I think we made a point to say that these were for the entirety of the season, right? So we still have a half season to go on some of these. Well, it, it was weird because you were kind of going under that assumption. I was definitely not. Oh, oh, you want to sever those predictions, you little weasel. No, no, you can go back and listen to it. I definitely said just for the half season. But <laughs> Okay, well, I made mine for the full season. I'll stand by that. Okay, how about Carol? We both said 50%. I think 50% is about what happened, right? She, like, yeah. halfway died. Yeah, and I think an exiling in an apocalyptic scenario is 50% death. So I feel pretty good about that prediction. Okay. Uh, this next one took a little bit of convincing on uh, my part. You had to... Kind of make the case for it, but Herschel. We mm-hmm. both eventually came to the conclusion, 
uh, due to your prodding, that he was 100% to die this season. Boom. That was a hell of a prediction. That was a solid prediction, yeah. Because initially I, I, I was saying not very likely. Yeah, as soon as I found out they got on a combat medic uh, to take care of their, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic medical needs, I'm like, ooh, it's looking bad for Herschel. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, feel good, uh, I feel good about that. I mean, I don't feel good about Herschel dying, but it, it was cool to see the writing on the wall and call it, so. Okay, well, this is this next one you did not call, unfortunately. Beth, <laughs> uh, you, went, ah. you went 50%, which, you know, is, you can't ride the fence much more than 50%. <laughs> uh, I really and, thought she'd die in the assault on the prison, which I was pretty sure would happen at the half point. Okay, somehow she survived. I don't know. I think she should have died, too. Uh, But I said 10% on that, so uh, that's that. Michonne, you gave a negative 75% to die. Yep. Uh, She was actually going to get healthier and uh, become a better character in this season, and that's exactly what happened. Boom, again. I'm I'm smelling like a rose over here. Yep, Uh, I was 0%, so I think we both did well there. Tyrese, (laughs) uh, I said 0%. You said 25%. Um, what does twenty five percent get you here? Like he got shot at a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously it's it's just the percentage I thought of him dying, and and he, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what they're planning for him because obviously, um, you know, his character is such a departure from the comics. You can't really use that as a guide. Um, and now that they're out of the prison, kind of. You know, ending that that the chapter in their lives and moving on, it's it's even harder to say because you have no idea what story they're going to take, how far they're going to skip ahead, anything. But I, my gut tells me he's a weighty enough actor that he'll be around for several seasons at this point. I figured if he survived the prison, he'd be around for several seasons. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I don't see cashing in on that twenty five percent the rest of the season, honestly. Okay. And probably the same for the next guy, Bob. Uh, at the time that we were predicting these, he wasn't even on the show yet. Uh, but we knew he was coming up. And like you said, he was the combat medic to replace the 100% dead Herschel. Uh, so we both gave him 0%. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like the Tyrese-Bob combo is going to be around for a while. Which cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keep and, all those wire, wire alumni around, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Uh, so the next one is a little a little weird. Morgan. We we not only gave him a percentage to die, but a percentage to return to the show. We said, or, uh, or at least I said, 100% to come back to the show. Mm-hmm. That that didn't work out so hot. Uh, 0% no, to die. So he, didn't, he definitely didn't die that we saw. Um, what did I give on his on-screen chances to return? I don't think I he did. I still hold out... I still hold out hope for season uh, 4.5. I I do think that he... I I don't think that his fate will remain mysterious. Somehow we will find out either that he died or that he is alive and he's going to rejoin the group for at least briefly. I don't don't see him being around long term. I feel like the next time we see... If we do see him... This is... How's this for a Sylvia Brown-esque prediction? Um... If we do see him, I see him as uh, being around for one episode and dying. Okay. Like, I feel like his next time he returns will be his swan song. Yeah, I could buy that. 
Although, uh, <laughs> Low Winter Sun just got canceled. So, <laughs> so he's back maybe, on board. May, maybe he will be back on board. All right. Uh, yeah, you didn't actually rate these these last two, which was Morgan and then also the governor. We both, I think when we were discussing, we both seemed pretty sure he was coming back uh, to the tune of 100% and then 100% to die. Uh, and I think that's more wishful thinking than what we thought we knew was going to happen uh, uh, because yeah. he should have died and he should have not come back at all. Uh, last season. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, man, it would be cool to do a fan edit where you just, man, I, I don't, uh, I'm trying to think. So what, what you this. do is you, ah, no, I was going to say you cut out the first attack, but then no. he guns people down. How do you, how do you work no, on you, that? You, you cut that out. Um, I, I think you have to restructure some of the the scenes we see him in in in, in with it, with the Woodbury people, right? And you make it to where some of those scenes where he's giving them rah rah speeches um, maybe occur afterwards. Okay. Um, and you obviously don't show him shooting his people. You obviously don't show him um, a. a, a Burning down Woodbury. I don't know what you do with the fact that Mitch is there and Martinez isn't. Um, but you got to do. I mean, I, I just feel like you could do some clever edits to where it makes it seem like you can still have the prison being sick. That's the lull where the governor goes away, but then he comes back in force. You skip the other two episodes, or you you mine him for governor giving rah rah speeches. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, that could, that could Have you been paying attention to fan edit scene? Because I'm kind of curious to see if anyone's made like a fan edit of season two or three. Because I really think that if you got if you if you were just looking for the best six to eight hours, you could make something really special out of season two and and also season three. Yeah, I haven't been following that. I know, um, like we talked about in season two a little bit, uh, the Walking Dead apocalypse was kind of uh, a fan edit that took out a lot of the stuff in season one. It's a great edit, great yeah. edit of season one. Yeah, it really makes it just flow a lot better, and it's a lot more interesting. Uh, so check that out. I don't know if there's a, a season two version of that. If not, I swear to God we should make one one of these days. It takes a lot of work to make one of those. Man. Oh, I'm sure, a lot of but it would be fun as hell. It would be fun as hell. All right, um, so that's it for the death predictions. Uh, we kind of have a bunch of groups that are spread out after this season that I think maybe we should talk about. Or I guess we should talk about predictions we have for the season as a whole uh, because we did make a couple of them, like kind of what direction they'd go with the plot. Um, we, we talked a lot about the prison um, and kind of had it outlived its usefulness. And I think we both came to the conclusion that it had indeed and they needed to get them out of there by the end of the season or we were both going to be kind of disappointed. Yeah. No, I, and I'm very pleased to see that it's a bumpy road to get there, but we are done now with the prison. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is no more prison as far as this group is concerned. Uh, you, while we were talking, you also had a lot of other smaller predictions, I guess. Like you, not necessarily predictions, but things that we wanted to see in season four. And I, like my big thing was I want to see um, a lot bigger groups of zombies, and I think we got that with them knocking down the fence and the giant herd that we saw out on the road. Um, you had said that you wanted to see them doing like some farming and like actually setting up shop in this prison, having a uh, a working organization of some kind. And I think we got that. Indeed, Rick's gun farm was very impressive. <laughs> it was. 
Uh, we also wanted to see the prison either overrun by walkers or the governor. Like, that's how we wanted them driven out, and that, you know, happened the way it happened. Uh, basically, all of the predictions we made for this season came true. Or not, not all the predictions, but all the things that we wanted to see out of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I feel like overall we got a pretty good season, right? It was, um, I'd say comparable. I don't know. It's not quite as good as the end of season two and the beginning of season three, but in that neighborhood. Uh, still, um, I, it's it's weird because it's almost like that season or this half season is kind of like a full the way that most of the full seasons have worked that we've had just you know, kind of uneven quality. Um, They haven't been able to string together eight strong episodes, much less 16. So, and I think that's what they need to do. They really need to get through a season. If they want to make the jump, they need to get through a season with six strong episodes and no worse than one or two average ones. They can't just have like a turd of an episode that in my mind, the governor episodes were. Yeah. Yeah. And I would totally back you up on that. I didn't enjoy those governor episodes at all. Um, so there are there are some things that have um, changed, I guess, in this group dynamic. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave the stuff about where the groups are now and where they're going till later. Um, when when we were talking in the season three or season four preview, we had said um, some other things we wanted to see were Rick and Carl's relationship kind of evolve, and we got a lot of that. Um, Indeed. A, a, a surprising amount of that happened off screen uh, in the course of the six months or so that happened between season three and four. Um, but I, I feel like they gave us enough information to totally understand what had taken place in those six months. Agreed. I think that the stuff that they showed us is the stuff that we actually wanted to see. The stuff where they showed where, you know, Rick's trying to reprogram as a farmer. Um, I mean, we clearly knew what was going on and what the score was there. Um, but I feel like we got to see most of the good stuff. You know, the yeah. fact that Rick had to come to grips with the fact that he can't protect his son from everything. And also his eyes opening up, not just that the, the foolishness of trying to protect his son from everything, but the fact that his son is a capable ally as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and the way that it played into Herschel's storyline this season uh, just made it even better, you know. I mean, it took yeah. that relationship that we were already interested in and then it amplified it. Um, and I, I think that maybe Herschel's storyline this season has been one of the most powerful storylines of the entire series. Indeed. Uh, okay, do we want to talk about where the groups are now? Sure, let's go. Okay. Let's do it. So... Uh, let's let's continue with Rick and Carl. Rick and Carl are out on their own. Rick is very injured. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with that? I have to plead the fifth because I have a feeling that I have a very good idea of what's going to happen with that. Oh, okay. Um, Comic book, man. Yeah, we're, we'll talk about that with the in the spoiler section. Okay. Um, do you think what it'd be interesting? Gonna, what do you think is going to happen? Because you stopped reading right at the... Uh, uh, collapse of the prison. So what, your, your virgin ears, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Or have I polluted you too much? It, that's the problem. Yeah, you have. Uh, we, all we, our spoiler remember, sections. Yeah, and I remember us having a, a pretty long conversation about my excitement about that on the way back from Walker Stalker Con, too. Yeah. 
I, I do think it would be kind of interesting because now that Carl uh, and Rick are out on their own, um, would it be interesting if Carl kind of took his dad to get some help from Morgan? Like, he knows where Morgan is, right? Because they all went on that trip together. That's true. That would be interesting if he kind of went there as safe haven, especially since, um, you know, if, if, we're, if we're to believe the show's geography, they're not too far away from their old hometown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no further away than maybe the veterinary college even. Sure. I, they don't have a car, so that's going to make it a little more difficult. But Yeah, but it's not that – I mean – it isn't incredibly hard to boost a car in the apocalypse, it doesn't seem like. so. Very true. Okay, um, what do you want to see? We kind of talked a little bit about this last time, but what do you want to see from Tyrese and the kids? Hmm. Uh, man, I kind of have to plead the fifth on this, too. Oh, ah, uh, God, all right, cast over. You can't talk about anything, apparently. Um, what do I want to see? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm very deeply unsure of where they're going with these kids, and how that. I mean, the only thing I can see is an interesting possibility is if the popular speculation is true, and you know, or, or the the theory that I thought I put to bed was true, and that Lizzie and or Mika was somehow complicit in Carol's killing those people. Uh, at this point, and, and then how will Tyrese deal with finding that knowledge out? Because presumably it'll come out when he's talking to the kids. Um, that would be interesting to see how he deals with that. But also, I don't know how I like that. That might make me like the way Carol's story ended even even less. Because, you know, one of the things I thought was a nail in the coffin was Carol would never never abandoned the children to the prison if she knew that they had, had killed somebody. Like, you know, I don't think she would trust that they would keep that secret. She would have to be there all the more to, to protect and defend them. Um, so if she takes the rap on that and gets exiled for it, um, I don't, I, that just doesn't make sense as a, as, as, as a gambit for her. I mean, what do you think? Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the idea that her protecting the children would actually put them in more danger seems like something she wouldn't want yeah, to do. Yeah, so, like, she, she skedaddled. She helped them cover up one murder. Um, these are little, you know, proto-Dexters. Uh, clearly, without supervision and, and redirection, they'll kill again or do something crazy and get in trouble. And then then who's going to speak for them? So... I if if that's the way it's going to go down, it's going to retroactively make me even angrier that Carol accepted, you know, exile. So, well, we'll see. Okay, um, I'm, I'm going to refrain from asking any more questions about future of characters here. Because... No, keep going because you you you've really only touched on the two that I that I do have a pretty strong feeling about. You can talk about the others. Okay, what do you think is going to happen with Glenn and the busload of old people? The busload of faceless extras. Um, so who's Maggie with? Sasha yeah. and Bob. Sasha and Bob. Okay. Well, that that is a group that has their head screwed on together. I feel like they will make they will uh, meet up with the bus fairly soon um, because I can't imagine spending even an episode with just recovering Glenn and a bunch of elderly and young people. Um, 
so then, I mean, that's the thing. Like, with this large group on the road, where do you go from here? I have no clue what they're going to do because we see from the governor's experience, I mean, if, if there was any value of that at all, it's just illustrate how absurd and futile it is to try to live out in the open in this world. I mean, their objective is going to be kind of Battlestar Galactica-esque, finding a home, finding some walls, some some solid walls to put between themselves and the outside world. And I feel like that's got to be, you know, that's the other thing that's exciting is that is Walking Dead doesn't do so well when they don't have a defined mission. Um, and if they have the defined mission of we have to find, you know, we have to find a place that we can make like Woodbury only without fucking idiots, you know, without, without evil people. We can make Woodbury 2.0 right. I feel like that should be their mission going forward, and that should be what they're on the lookout for. Okay. Uh, I think that's a good thing for them to do, and it would be something to kind of spur the action on. Uh, next season, or next half season, whatever. Right. Um. So, so you don't think they're going to do much with Glenn? They're just they're just going to meet him up. They're yeah. going to meet him up, and and uh, I I think that um. Are, are they married or not? I. But who knows? It's the apocalypse. Okay. I feel like if if they're not officially married, that there'll be some sort of wedding ceremony for next season. Or half season. Huh. Okay. <laughs> what what is that going to look like in the apocalypse? I think they're going to. So it's part of my larger thought that they'll probably meet up um, with a some, some sort of man of God character. You know, Nada Herschel's been. I mean, they're going to. The, they they need some kind of moral compass, moral center, and I bet they end up finding like some kind of a minister, and that'll be the impetus that. You know, Glenn and Maggie will need to get to get proper married, and there you go. Unless they meet up with the Justice of a Peace first, and then, <laughs> then JP. Yeah. Uh, right. All right. Uh, what did you really like about this season? Do you have like a, a favorite thing that happened, or like a favorite plot thread, or anything that you really appreciated this season? Uh, I think this season was all about Herschel. And I thought Scott Wilson did just a bang up job showing how a man, you know, showing how admirable a man of faith can be and how resilient that those spiritual religious qualities can, can give certain people. Um, and how he was instrumental in bringing Rick back from the kind of crazy insanity he was suffering from last, last year. And in, and I think he was definitely going to be seen as a as a huge building block in the type of leader that Rick needs to be. Um, I, I you know I've, I've talked about my theory before is that Rick, you know, looking back, we're going to see that all these different experiences that he's been involved in is going to temper him into being the ideal post-apocalyptic leader. And Herschel, um, while I think he was kind of too kind-hearted and too trusting and maybe too selfless. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, like a pendulum swinging, you got to go way one far and way the other before you arrive in a harmonious middle ground. So I think, so I think, you know, Shane was on one extreme and, and Herschel was on the other. And these are kind of tempered Rick. Uh, and we're going to see him be, you know, not the dictator, uh, not the farmer, but, you know, the benevolent dictator that this group needs. Yeah. Thinking about that, um, 
kind of the, the pendulum swinging and talking about Shane and, and uh, the other extreme, it makes me wonder why I didn't think Dale was that guy um, when he was around, because he was essentially the counterpoint to Shane that entire uh, two-season arc. But he, he just we, didn't have the gravitas or something or, or the willingness to commit in the right ways that that Herschel has. And he was also kind of duplicitous. I mean, he went around behind people's backs and did things, whereas Herschel is just going to come out and tell you what needs to be done, tell you what he thinks, not go behind your back and mess with you. Yeah, I, I think Dale was a manipulator. In, yeah, yeah. In, in, a, in, in, in a good Pollyanna way, but he's a classic manipulator where Herschel is a man of action and a man of conviction. And I think that's that someone that Rick could n- not just respect on an intellectual and, and a moral ethical level, but then you know as a as a as a man and a leader too. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, um, what, what else do you want to talk part? about? My favorite part, uh, man. Um, without just duplicating what you said, because I think uh, Herschel's storyline was clearly the the best part of this season. Um, and and must be said that Gimple executed a very strong arc for this character. Yeah. You know, taking us from the beginning with his mission statement up to the high point of him going into cell block A and and not only just surviving but also thriving in his way down through his, his death, which ultimately felt like it had meaning and a, and a purpose for multiple characters. Uh, that was really exciting to see from a storytelling standpoint. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'll come at it from the other direction. I freaking love zombie uh, media, zombie stuff. And they did some really cool zombie kills. Um, They had some really epic zombie stuff. I mean, going all the way back to episode one where you've got the walker spinning from the ceiling by his guts. uh, That's just absolutely phenomenal. Nick Terrell is hit it out of the park. And then going all the way to, uh, I guess, episode six where... Episode 5, where we see the giant herd of walkers. That That's the kind of stuff that really gets me interested. I think that was episode three, 3 or 4, because episode 5 was the... the uh, oh, yeah, it must have been 4, because they come back in 5, don't they? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think it was 3, because that was towards the end of the episode. But, yeah, that, that was amazing. Do you... Uh, where do you see that herd coming back? Do you think that it's going to play into... Because, you know, one of the things they talked about... And the preseason coverage, which we kind of know means jack shit a lot of times, is that they were going to make the walkers a bigger threat. Do you feel like them almost putting pulling down a fence is all they were talking about? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. Why would they show that massive herd um, it, it's set within up, striking man. range of our characters if they're not going to get around to it in the rest of the season? Like, I don't even think they can push that off to season five. No, you're exactly right. I think they will encounter and try to deal with that in some way uh, in the second half of the season. I don't know how to deal. I I don't know how. The the only thing that says against that is I don't see how this group deals with that other than by running. Yeah, well, that's how they're going to have to deal with it, right? They're probably going to run into this thing and going somewhere that they want to get to, and then they're just not going to be able to because of this massive herd. Right, right. Because you're right. I mean, uh, even Daryl strapped to the gills with grenades is not going to deal with a herd that size. It just doesn't happen. No, Daryl with a tank could probably not defeat a, a herd that size. They're just too, you know, I I, I think Nicotero said that they intended to display 7,500 walkers worth 
you know, 30 people, there's just no way you can compete with that. Sure. Uh, okay. What, what else do we talk about? Do we want to get to some feedback now? Uh, I think you, the only thing I was going to ask is what your favorite zombie, your favorite zombie set piece was. Mine still is the big spot. Sounds like maybe yours was too. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. That was just, just something about so that fun. thing just struck the right mixture of cool and almost like giggle. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I just, uh, bravo. That was a great scene. And if they can do one of those a half season, I would be very happy. Ready for some feedback? Yeah, bring it on. Um, just wanted to, you know, once again, shout out our sponsor for the for the year, uh, Dr. DeVito, uh, the Brunswick Family Dentistry in uh, North Carolina, uh, the official dentist of Bald Move. Thank you again for your generosity, Doc. Um, we also, this is the t- uh, point that we actually do our promos for the rest of the Bald Move family. Um, been a little remiss on that this year. While I'm getting that together, would you like to shout out the uh, maker of our fine music? Yeah, absolutely. That it would be my brother's band. Uh, we asked him to do a theme song for us, and this is what he came up with. Uh, you guys, will, you know, have been hearing that all season. And his band is called My Stereana. Uh, you can find all their stuff at mysterianamusic.com. Uh, and like, you, you, I think you go to the extras section and look at the music there, and you can find the. The theme song, the full theme song, it's about four minutes long. Uh, so, yeah, go check that out. It's cool stuff. Indeed. And also you can go to baldmove.com to find our full coverage. Uh, we've done every season, every episode of The Walking Dead. Uh, we also have coverage of Game of Thrones, Mad Men, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, check all that stuff out. And also don't forget our affiliates because uh, they're going to be carrying the weight through the rest of the year and early in the next year. Uh, personal arrogance out of Seattle. Uh, Eric and Jesse are best buds. Uh, talk about gaming, sports, beer, uh, geek topics. They're hilarious. Uh, don't forget about the Picasso show, Amy, Susan, Gerilyn. If you haven't tried them already, I strongly recommend man or woman giving their podcast a listen because they're very entertaining to talk about real life. They do book reviews. They talk about sex, relationships, um, you know, makeup and product reviews. Uh, they're very funny. Very entertaining. And finally, up here is downstairs. Uh, Kelly and Tom, uh, their bi-weekly coverage of all things Victorian, uh, Victorian England. Uh, they've just recently wrapped up the coverage of Parade's End. Uh, they're going to be starting, I think, the American run of Downton Abbey, which is going to be starting up pretty soon. Uh, they're very funny people as well. Kelly is a, a professional comic. Um, I can't recommend all of her shows strongly enough because we're all big fans. That's why they're on our network. Uh, we always appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, you know, rating and subscribing to our podcast is probably the biggest thing you can do to help boost the network as far as a popularity standpoint. And uh, those affiliates, if you haven't checked them out, uh, I, I would consider it a big favor to me if you would give them a little bit of that review love as well. Uh, also, Amazon.BaldMove.com, all December long, it is just a funnel of joy into children's hospitals and women's shelters. Uh, please help us write the biggest fucking check possible to these people, uh, the Child's Play Charity dot org. Uh, it would mean a lot for us, and uh, really in the year, right? Um, it's a season of giving, and we want to give big. So help us out with that. Um, let's get on the feedback. We actually have celebrity feedback uh, this week, Jim. Oh, we do. Daryl Dixon uh, dropped us a note. Uh, he said, uh, "I wish I, I, I wish you had these notes because I would I would love for you to do it in your Daryl Dixon." Um, he says, uh, listen up, Big Jimbo and Little A-Rod. 
Stop talking about my sexuality like it's in your damn business. You're like Zach wanting to know my previous profession. Superboy should just shut up. Glad I didn't save him and you got that helicopter to face. Now that's karma. But you really want to know my sexuality? Well, fine, I'll tell you. I ain't no homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, even asexual. I'm B-A-sexual, badass sexual. I'm attracted to everyone and everything is badass. Michonne's Katana, me wanna. I'd suck dick for Rick. Sometimes I'm even hot for Carl. I saw Carol was a badass before anyone else did, but now I'm stuck with Beth. And honestly, Derek gets a little inappropriate from this point in email forward. Uh, offensive even by bald news standards. So we're gonna have to leave it there. But what <laughs> okay. do you what do you think about his concept of his being a ba sexual? Badass sexual. All right, I feel a little bit of that sometimes. You know, I mean, we talk about like badasses and action movies and shit like that, and it's I, I feel it, man. I feel it. Yeah. No, I know what you. I I I I know what you're talking about. Um, thank you for that, Daryl. Uh, means a lot that you're a fan. Uh, Laura K. from Louisville says, uh, didn't Beth and Daryl end up together after Prison Raid? I can remember that awkward hug from the beginning of the season and wonder if that will play a role in their relationship now that they are stuck alone together. My guess is probably not, but that's because that's not how The Walking Dead rolls. But interesting that they may have set all that up. It's almost as if they put these relationships into play on purpose and planned who will be stuck together for a reason. They normally don't set up things that well. Good point, Laura. What do you think? Do you think that there's going to be some awkward advances on uh, Beth's part? I mean... That was literally the first thing I thought of when I saw them running off. I was like, oh, well, there's Aaron's prediction about uh, creepy relationship with Beth and Daryl here coming to fruition. I I don't know. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I don't have a deserved uh, creepy reputation, I just want to back up and say that what I think is that I think I think Beth has a crush on Daryl. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think that Daryl would take advantage of that crush. Um, but I do think it's kind of interesting to see how he would deal with that scenario, especially if they're on the run alone. He's just arguably saved her from the prison because God knows she couldn't. She doesn't know which way to point a gun, much less use it. Um, so I think that's interesting from a storytelling perspective and also what it'll tell us about, uh, Daryl. So just, just want to throw in there before <laughs> people didn't have the right idea about that. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, this is kind of a rehash of what we saw at the beginning of the season with Patrick, right? I mean, Patrick obviously had a crush on Daryl. Uh, Daryl repaid him by <laughs> infecting him with some sort of horrible plague by licking his fingers and shaking his hand. So I... I don't know. I mean, maybe that's in for a world of hurt. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> all right. So now you can have the deserved creepy reputation. Sounds uh, good. On to, a, on to a second point on the themes of not setting things up very well. Did that mysterious comment from Dr. S ever pan out? He said to Sasha in the sick ward something to the effect of we have to tell them it's starting. Did the Woodbury people know something about this illness? As far as I remember, it never led anywhere. So why set it up? So this this was one of the popular conspiracy theories that kind of played into you know there's if you rem, if you recall there's a lot of hooey about Bob being a plant from Woodbury um, that you know he was on the governor's dole that there was somehow um, you know the 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 rats on the inside was somehow the governor's de- doing all that's bullshit right I uh, I think so so what do you make of this comment from Doctor S 
it's interesting because I had actually totally forgotten about that. Um, it was just kind of a one-off line that that I didn't really understand at the time, and I'm starting to wonder about that. Well, I kind of think that it was like in the context of the council knowing about. You know, really, at that point, only the council knew what was going on. And Dr. S is saying we have to tell them, as in the whole people, the plan and having the cell block quarantine and, and start forcing people to go there. Okay. We can't keep this kind of in our amongst ourselves anymore. That's that's how I would take it, you know, going forward. As opposed to a conspiracy theory that they knew about it all along. Yeah, because the problem with that is they've the Woodbury people have been settled in for four to six months at that point. Yeah. And I'm positive that the governor had no dealings with the prison group until we saw him take Michonne and, and Herschel prisoner. If it turns out he did later, that would be a pretty big violation of storytelling, in my opinion. That would be some, some bullshit. Um, and I, I just don't get that vibe. Okay. Uh, Allison in our hometown of Naptown, Indianapolis, uh, she says, uh, Megan was too old to be playing in mud pies anyway, so that's what she gets. Uh, she wonders, do you think Herschel knew he wasn't going to survive the prison confrontation? It's an interesting question, Jim. What do you, what do you make of it? Uh, it depends on what, at what point you ask me. I mean, when he got taken right hostage. Now, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about what point. So at what point in Herschel's story are we talking? When he got captured, yeah, he probably knew the governor was not going to let him out live. Um, before he got captured, of course not. <laughs> um, what about on his knees outside the prison gates? Yeah, yeah, he knew he wasn't getting out of that. Hmm. See, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he did try. He was like, "Yeah, we could all go live together." See, I thought I thought that he thought he they, that Rick had talked his ass out because I think that he was coming from a, a point of view that the governor really had changed, which uh, I didn't see any evidence for that. But I think that's what he really thought and that he didn't think Rick was capable of changing. And Rick, you know, um, showing, you know, offering up the prison as something they could share together was going to change his mind. And if not him, then maybe the the people behind him. I I don't know, but that's that's the opinion I got. Yeah, it's it's weird though. I mean, when they had that conversation in the RV, um, and he was talking about his daughters, and the governor seemed to very much not care about his daughters. I would think Herschel would have understood that the governor had not changed there. Hmm. Uh, third point, at first I thought Judith was dead and that they thought, I thought they handled it well without having to show a zombie baby. Now I think someone took her because the car seat was unbuckled. She had to have been buckled in when that kid was treating her like a UPS package. Otherwise she would have fallen out. Those five point harnesses, uh, car, car seats can be so freaking hard to unbuckle. It's ridiculous. I really like the idea of Tyrese and the kids picking her up on the way out, but then where did all the blood come from? Also, love the idea of Michonne carrying toddler Judith and killing zombies. What do you think? Yeah, I think she's absolutely right. And we talked about this last episode uh, in some pretty extensive detail. Uh, so, I, yeah, I definitely think Judith is alive. They're right on. Um, 
before that old lady that drove the bus away is the same person that told Carol it's only allergies when she got sick and had to go to quarantine. Yeah, right, it's just allergies. Get your ass in there. My Walker lover friends and I are always joking about her and have been laughing about her driving the bus. So when Jim said the same thing, it was so validating. One of the many reasons I love your cast. I don't even remember that conversation, so I'm just going to let you have that little love fest there, Jim. Okay, perfect, because I don't remember it either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eric G. says, I respect the opinion of the pragmatic assholes. Uh, I think he's talking about us. us. Yeah. Uh, I like your thoughts on this. I like being called a pragmatic asshole. That's pretty cool. Um, Pragmatic son of a bitch is what I prefer, but I'll go with asshole as well. What's that? Uh, I was going to say, I think you called us pragmatic assholes in an episode. Ah, oh, I wish I'd gone a son of a bitch. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll answer my capacity as a PSOB. In live bait, what was the governor's intention when he returned to Woodbury? As far as he knew, the Woodbury folks who didn't go to the prison fight, including Sasha and Tyrese, were still there. Was his plan to continue to govern, or was he going to kill the rest of Woodbury folks and then burn it? What do you think? That's a really good question. I don't know what he was going to do. I mean... He, he didn't have a fighting force at all at that point because he had murdered them. Yep. Um, was he going to go back there and just burn the place down and not give a shit what happened to those people? Yeah, I don't know because if he was going to go back, as that as vast part of his original plan, they would have just gone back after the assault, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. But they chose to camp out in the wilderness overnight, which gave Rick enough time to load them all up in a bus and take them back to the prison. So you think when he went back to Woodbury, he actually thought the people of the town got overran? Oh. Um, I mean, I, I, it's, 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 if, you, if you reframe this as him burning it as, you know, and him kind of like then wandering the earth and trying to die... Did he feel bad in the moment that, like, oh, God, you know, I gunned down these people, and now all these defenseless people were taken by walkers or ran off to points unknown? I think he probably did. I mean, the the stuff that follows with him just wandering and then, you know, finding the new family and and seemingly being changed, uh, temporarily at least, I, I think he was reconsidering his plan to just murder everyone. Um, I will say this in my capacity of pragmatic asshole. Um, I wonder if he wasn't going back to throw himself upon the justice of the people and just like do a full Ooh. confession. Absolutely. And then when he got there, nobody's there. He's like, fuck it. I'm burning it. And then I'm going to walk the earth. Uh, Interesting. Anyway. I, I, you might also say that he went back there because he thought uh, Martinez and Schumpert might be there as well. Right. True, although I don't know why he would want any part of meeting with them at that point. Yeah. Um, But anyway, he also continues, Eric does, in the live bait cold open, we hear the governor telling Lily and Terry that he had lived in a safe town full of good people without any monsters. That's what happened. He replies, he just lost it. Tara asks who, and the governor replies, the man in charge. I call bullshit because two sods later, we see the same governor tell a group of new Woodbury people that the prison group burned his camp as part of his argument for attacking. And the same fucking Tara buys it and is the first to declare she's in. So which is it, Tara? Did the governor's camp fall because the leader lost her because the prison group burned it? Jim, you going to throw in your bullshit to, to his? Uh, 
Uh, no, I mean, why can't Tara be gullible enough not to understand the real situation here? Well, because it's that she'd be really fucking stupid. I'll give an alternate explanation that, you know, it could be that both were true. That, you know, the governor referring to him as, you know, as, as the leader having lost it, he could be like maybe he lost a leadership touch or maybe – I mean, that's a very generic thing. You could – you know, if, if he let a guy like Rick come in and burn his town to the ground, you could say he lost – Lost it there. He could lost his mind. It's kind of open. I feel like I'm making excuses to show, and I don't really want to do that. I don't like being made. I don't like being made the public defender of this fucking show. Uh, but that's one charitable way you could interpret that, because otherwise, yeah, Tara's just pretty stupid. Which we also have good evidence for that's the case too, because she couldn't figure out that maybe you want to shoot something in the head if you're having a hard time, hard time putting it in the ground for for good. Um, Rick tells Carol he won't live with her. She's just too far gone because she killed her own for motives which were arguably justifiable. Furthermore, the two she killed um, likely would have succumbed in a few hours to the flu anyway, and may have actually she may have actually been sparing them pointless suffering. The next fucking day, Rick invites the governor to live in the prison, and man, he knows killed his own, including Merle, Andrea, Milton, and a dozen extras, plus the same man that TV raped Meg and tortured or tried to kill Glenn, Daryl, and Michonne. How does that sit with you, Aaron? It does not sit with me well, Eric. That is a very good point. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons the governor called liar because I don't even know. I honestly don't know that Rick would have followed through with that plan. Yeah. That- because for the reasons you state, I think Rick was trying to talk his ass out of a very deep pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point and something I didn't even consider at the time that it was happening. Um, and, and, and notice he didn't say unconditional surrender. It's like you put your guns down and walk through those gates, effectively putting you in our power, then then that's one thing. We can live together. And, and I, I bet that the governor uh, would probably have, have found himself in the wrong end of a pointy stick or a, or, or a bullet um, eventually somehow. But... I mean, it's it's hard to say in a hypothetical situation, but I know why Rick. I know why Rick made the offer. What the hell else is he going to do? Leave sure. the prison, uh, or take on the tank? Those are his two options, right? Yeah. So he's looking for a third way desperately. Any other comments on that, or should we move on? Nope. Let's move on. Deb K says, "What is up with the writers of The Walking Dead and Little Girls? From the opening scene of the pilot episode with the teddy bear toting girl child walker to Sophia, Penny." Megan, and now little ass kicker, little girls seem to be the favorite entree on the zombie menu. Am I just not noticing the little undead boys shambling about, or are they definitely absent? Even little girls who manage to avoid being eaten are far from normal, like little Lizzie being something of a mental case. Okay, maybe Carl's not that normal either, but in this new apocalyptic environment, he qualifies as an overachiever. The only male youngster I can recall seeing by the farm was Patrick, the first to succumb to the prison plague, and he was more of a youth than a child. Yeah, he was like saved by the bell child, in which case I mean he is 28 playing a Hollywood 16. Uh, That's funny. I, I suppose that the writers feel that the little girls represent the most vulnerable members of the human race, and therefore the shock and trepidation is greater for the audience when they are put in danger, but also makes the story a little too predictable. Um, 
when we when, will we eventually become accustomed to associating auto girls on the show as red shirt characters? And has anyone else noticed this pattern? Holy shit, Deb! It's hard to argue with that. I think the writers need to spend a week with Mad Brew's little girl uh, to get a proper appreciation for uh, how badass little girls can be. Um, <laughs> there's there's I one know. boy I can think of that was killed. It's Morgan's son. But off off camera. Yeah, yeah, totally off camera. I think you hit the nail on the head that they represent the most vulnerable members of the human race, which is kind of a level of bullshit unto itself. You know, I mean, there's a lot of interesting, you know, uh, gender dynamics going on in The Walking Dead, and there was a more overt issue in the first season than it has been of late. Um, well, I guess even in season Season two is a major plot line as well. But I I can't say that uh, little girls versus little boys, any either one of them is a little more helpless. And I'm kind of puzzled as to why we haven't, you know, seen it. As, if they're going for the shock value of a child zombie, why haven't we seen a little boy zombie? Um, there haven't been a whole lot of little boys in this show, right? I mean, That's there's true. Carl and there's Morgan's kid. So it could be this. It could be that they've draw the metaphorical short straw. That Carl is a main character who has a, a, a you know a big plot to play. If Rick had had a daughter in the comic books, we could be easily talking about this from the other direction. Is that what you're saying? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's just like okay, you set the show up one way. Um, what are you going to do, right? I mean, right. there are a whole bunch of little girls throughout this this series, just because. That's what they've done. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's. I don't think it's a conscious thing on their, on their part to say, okay, these are the the weakest of society. Let's uh, show them getting zombified all over the place. Well, I don't think just that, but it's also like if you're going to show, you know, if you want to make maximum horror for a father character, hmm. I think that most that that the writers are going to go for a little zombie girl over a little zombie boy. Um, I, d- I don't know if that makes sense to me, but I think that's that's the cultural thing they're going with. Sure. Um, so, it, excellent point, though, um, Deb. I like that a lot. Uh, Jess from Iowa says, I thought it was poetic justice that Daryl took out Mitch with a bolt through the heart. Mitch was not only a tool, but also shat himself when the governor came a-calling to openly admit that he had just murdered his brother. If someone took out my bro, sure, I'd have a smoke with him just so I could take the time to mentally plan out how to catch him off guard, cold cock him, cut his wrist, tie him to a tree out in the woods, and let the walkers have a picnic. Daryl constantly showed his loyalty to Merle, and if he would have known that Mitch, what Mitch did, he probably would have called epic bullshit on him and then had him killed. That being said, how interesting would it have been if Martinez, Martinez had been a part of the invasion and had come face-to-face with Daryl? That had been much more powerful standoff considering their Walker kill-off in Season 3 where they bonded over their mad skills. I really thought that was going to happen in the Season 3 finale, but we'll just add that to the list of things I would rather have watched than that shit show. Uh, I find it hard to disagree with anything that uh, Jess says there. Yeah, that would have been really cool to see Daryl versus Martinez. Yeah. Um, again, I I would love to know who was more at fault for the Season 3 finale. Was it AMC execs? Was it Kirkman? Or was it um, Mazera? Because that was just an epic, epic fuck-up. And unfortunately, I feel like Gimple doubled down because he could have 
Although, man, with no one we knew about Martinez, I don't think that he would have ever gone along with the governor after that bullshit that went down. Yeah, so. he was just dealt a bad hand. I, I mean, you, he got into this thing to clean it up, in my opinion, kind of like Mazzara did. Um, he, yeah. he just got dealt a bad hand, and he's, I'm hoping, going to be able to pull it out now that all of that stuff is behind him, right? He's got no connections to Season 3, so uh, let's yeah, just I go mean, forward. Uh, from from here on forward, it's going to be judged on his merits or lack thereof. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame anybody but the current showrunners. But I'm, I also, you know, you kind of were uh, hard on me about my uh, takes on Kirkman last week. But I, I am honestly right on. I, I think that he shares a not small part of the blame about why the show is going down this way. He's an executive fucking producer. He's the creator of the source material. You know, he has a hand in the, the the plotting. He even writes episodes, so I think he's as responsible as Gimple going forward. And they both should be held accountable because this show should be better. I mean, I think everyone that I've talked to, even the biggest fanboy, will agree that the show can and should be better than it is, even if you enjoy it. Sure. Uh, Tyler S. says, I went back and listened to some of your Blue Yonder stuff and came across an episode in which you each picked ten fictional or non-fictional characters uh, with the rules of no superheroes and no aliens that you'd want during the zombie apocalypse. I thought your watching Deadcast wrap-up cast might be an appropriate venue to revisit this topic, so I was wondering how you'd revise your list in the midst of all the zombie movies, books, and video games that you've experienced since. Just a reminder, here are your original picks. Uh, Jim, your team consisted as uh, Dutch, as played by Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator, Jason Bourne, MacGyver, Ving Rames from Dawn of the Dead, Al from Home Improvement, Dr. (laughs) Bones McCoy, Mm -hmm. Boba Fett, Starbuck, the female version uh, from Battlestar Galactica, Jordi LaForge, and Mel Gibson from Signs. (laughs) Would you... Do you want to defend some of those picks in the sober light of day? Uh, or do you just want to talk about who you'd like to sub in uh, the pinch hit for your team? Uh, so th- there were a lot of stipulations around, like, things that they get to take with them to the apocalypse, right? Like, Boba Fett obviously gets his suit. You get your they get you get whatever the, the character's signature equipment and skills are. But you wouldn't get, like, Boba Fett's vehicle. So his suit... His suit would come along, but slave one stay behind. Sure, and and, and with those that in mind, I don't think the doctors from Star Trek have any particular things that they're they're known for, except maybe a tricorder. Tricorder, if, if you're being generous, I'll, I'll give you a phaser. I'll give you a phaser. Oh well, shit. Sta- okay, standard away team gear. Well, if you just beam down to the planet. I can't imagine then why I didn't choose Beverly Crusher instead of Bones. Seems like a bad choice. Hmm. I would sub well, her for sure. Our, our co-host Peter Street, um, <laughs> who picked uh, Emil- what's his name, Emilio? Uh, I don't know his name. Some He's... MMA fighter, which we had a lively debate about how putting a zombie in an arm bar would actually, you know, uh, effectively in any kind of confrontation with a zombie mob. Um, he, I, I almost think that maybe he picked. Uh, Beverly Crusher? Uh, maybe he did, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, I, why, why would you pick uh, the uh, Crusher over the McCoy? 
Uh, well, if you're talking about an apocalypse situation, you're eventually going to have to repopulate, right? And oh, you're, bones, bringing the wo- you're bringing the womb to the occasion? Is that, that That's what you're... I, I'm sorry, but it is a factor to consider, right? <laughs> okay. You do have Starbuck. Sure. But that but... gene pool is going to get real slim real fast, man. <laughs> right. Um... What about Mel Gibson from Signs? So, what the fuck, man? The reason that I picked him is because, A, he's kind of a badass. I mean, the characters that Mel Gibson plays, you know, they're kind of badass. This this character was a, a, was a former pacifist priest. Who kicked some major ass alongside Joaquin Phoenix. I stand by that. Uh, he, he was kind of a badass in that. And also, he's he a farmer. His boy out of, he talked his boy out of asthma. Uh, Joaquin did all the ass kicking. Come on now. All right, fair, fair he, assessment. He, he, he could he could shut the hell out of zombies. Shut the hell out of zombies in a pantry. Yeah, like if yeah. he had a million pantries, problem solved. Because those zombies would be locked individually in there, and there'd be no more uh, no more problem. I just don't think you're going to have that in the apocalypse. All right, so I obviously have enough badass on my team just with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dutch alone. Uh, but Mel Gibson is a farmer in that movie. And so he can grow the crops that we need to survive. Oh, God, that, that's right. That was my reasoning for it. The farmer angle is what you went with. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. whereas you're all badass, man. You, you've hey, got we haven't no- got to my team yet, so shut the hell up. <laughs> Who would you all sub right. out? Would you, would you make any changes besides Beverly Crusher? Would you make any changes? No, I feel like between Al from Home Improvement and MacGyver, we've got Because this is pre-Walking Dead. This is pre-Walking Dead. This is Blue Yonder Episode 9 if you want to go on our website and give it a listen. This is before Walking Dead came out on television. So we've had a lot of zombie content since then. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to go crazy, you can substitute Daryl in for somebody um, in the badass role. But I'm not sure who. Mel Gibson, I'm pretty goddamn sure he could grow some corn. (laughs) No, we had this argument for like an hour on that show. So I'm not going there again. Uh... Anybody else? Uh, if else, we'll get on my team. No, I got I'm good. Okay. Uh, my team uh, was uh, Rambo, uh, Batman from the comic book versions, uh, John Connor of Terminator fame, Robert Nevel, uh, or Neville from I Am Legend, Ash from the Evil Dead series, Sarah Connor from Terminator, uh, the, ter- the Terminator series also, Christian Bale's uh, Grammaton Cleric from Equilibrium, Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, uh, Han Solo, uh, which is a shaky selection, and Tony Stark as Iron Man. I, I, I pretty, I, I still love that team. If I was going to remake it, I would, I think I would sub out Han Solo for Daryl, and my team just immediately got an a, a experienced zombie survivalist, uh, hand, and, uh, I'd probably sub out, I'd probably take out John Connor and go with Joel from The Last of Us. Okay, that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I think I mean Joel is is a, is a me first survivalist with a heart of gold, and I think that's what you need. He might even be the leader on that team. I'm sorry, man. You just don't have the skills required in your team. You have You're badass in abundance, but you don't have the skills. I have several genius level characters, including a scientist. Where's your doctor? Saying, Where's your doctor? Robert Neville. He synthesized a cure for the zombie plague before he died. I guess I mean, he is come a doctor, on now. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
And Tony Stark, my God, he made a reactor in a cave. What's he going to do in a zombie apocalypse where he's got 99% of the world's resources for the taking? No, Iron Man is an excellent pick. I'm not going to argue with that at all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so anyway. No, I mean, we uh, did say no superheroes, but... No, we, we said kinda... no superhumans. Okay, the, not, the way yeah. you read it tonight, we said no superheroes. But yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah. You, no superpowers, right? Yeah, it was no no superpowers, no aliens, and I think there was a no robot clause too, which mm-hmm. is why a guy like Data didn't get in there because he would be you 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 put Data in the middle of the North American continent. It would take him a while, but he'd just clear it. He can't be stopped. He just ripping zombies' heads off left and right or crushing his bare hands. He can't be bitten or turned. I mean, just just it, it'd be like he'd be the Wally of zombie cleanup. You just drop Data. You, you 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 get into orbit for a couple of years, and you come back, and he's got them all neatly planted. Yeah, real simple. In get into orbit. Uh, we got some more emails. Right. Right. <laughs> this turned into 15 minutes of the Blue Yonder cast. Uh, Rachel B. says, my take on season four. Uh, we watched our group do their homework this season. Episode eight was only great for me because I was starting to admire the haven they'd created in the prison, and I cared that it got smashed up. For five episodes, they showed me that a well-functioning group in action, and I appreciated that. And uh, i.e., they had systems to deliver water and food to the members. They organized themselves into squads to get essential things done. Individual members were willing and able to risk their own safety to save the sick. They left. They kept a whole lot of non-productive people alive for a time. Discipline was imposed effectively, and a rogue was expelled. They knew each other well going into battle. They trusted the leader who stepped up. Uh, the annoying governor detour, in contrast, illustrated that uh, Mar- uh, these uh, Mar- Martinez group facts. They have a no deadweight policy. They sit around drunk while they have no fences. They don't have an established leadership group. Killing people in the group is okay. They fail to protect their young. They can't fix a leaking roof. And they take members into battle without learning all their names first. All this made it fun to really get behind a Rick group when the shooting started. Last year, I didn't care at all what the backpacker incident and rejecting Tyrese. So stupid and so wrong. And then Carl and the alleged cold-blooded killing. Arg. Uh, she wonders who will Michonne rescue first? Who will be wearing Rick's watch? And will the radio chatter start up again? Is it a trap or salvation? That's a point we didn't talk about. Yeah, we totally glossed over that. Uh, that uh, radio is important, I think. Yeah, that that was a uh, casualty of the giant zombie. Uh, uh, that's what that took Daryl's eyes off the road to concentrate on the transmission. Um, that surely will play a role in next season. In fact, I kind of think it might set up the finale that they'll find some group that's 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 going to have those four walls for them. Uh, what do you think about the other question she has? Um, was the other part so much a question as it was just contrasting the two groups of survivors? Yeah, I don't know that you have to comment on that. Uh, do you think that uh, Rick's watch will pop up? Uh. Mm. I, I don't know. That guy, uh, I hope we don't see him again, honestly. Um, he wasn't a good character to begin with, and I think, you know, Rick Rick is not picky on his watches. He will wear a lady's watch. Uh, he's got Carol's watch. Not a problem. Yeah, I, I feel like we already have one likely annoying character we'll have to suffer through, which is the fist-bumping Rent-A-Cop. Um so I don't need to see surfer hippie dude back with Rick's watch at all. Um, what about Michonne? Do you see her rescuing someone? Cause that seems to be her thing. Yeah. Wherever she is, I don't know if she took off on her own. I, which group of, which of the groups will she meet up with first? 
Tyrese, Maggie, uh, Team Glenn, or Team Rick and Carl? Wow. That's, uh, that's a tough question. Uh, I want to say if she's going after anybody, she's probably going after the kids. Right on. Uh, down under Walker is our last non-spoiler email. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that Lily and Megan will come along with the governor and his gang. And there are, oh, wait. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that Lily and Megan came along with the governor and his gang in the RV and were left close by a river that's also close to the prison. I don't believe Lily drove or walked all the way from their old camp after Megan was attacked. If you look at the very last scene of season two, the camera pans up from a group and you can see an aerial shot of the prison. Um, they embedded a nice little video from YouTube that, it, you know, shows the pan up from the, the end of season two where the group is around the campfire after Rick had just declared the dictatorship. And you, clear, uh, you pan up to the prison, and sure enough, there is a large prison. So the theory is that the governor actually took the whole camp to right outside the prison and dropped her off there. I don't think they did a very good job of framing that, but the, it certainly fits the facts. Okay, that would make a lot of yep. sense. So nice catch. Like I said, I don't, I don't know that it makes a um, huge difference, but I like that better than her just driving a half hour longer up to the battle um, in the middle of it. Uh, that's all I got except for spoilers. Are you ready to uh, kick it to spoiler music? Yeah, yeah. Do we have an outro that we need to do? Well, you know, as always, if you want to find out what we're doing on the off season, best way to do so is follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash baldmove and on Twitter uh, at baldmove. You can send us emails at watchingdead at baldmove.com. Um, you know, Walking Dead comes back mid-February, so definitely around a week before uh, they come back, uh, check and see. We'll be doing a preview cast. Um and, you know, obviously be a, a stay tuned for our uh, coverage of uh, House of Cards if you're into that. Yeah, House of Cards. Good show. Um, a little different than some of the shows we cover, though, I think. Uh, totally different topic, right? Yeah, it's more along the Mad Men line of the bald move interest than the others. There's hardly any action. It's mostly statecraft and political manipulation and you know backstabbing and stuff, and it's Kevin Spacey's fantastic in it. So yeah, there's some uh, really dense, twisty stuff that I like in it. So yep, yep. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening and joining us this entire uh, half season, and we hope you'll join us again next season. Until then, I'm Jim, and I'm Aaron. See you then. With the spoilers, what do we have this week? Uh, Eddie C. said, I felt like they screwed up with how the governor just ran over the fences. And the comic is men are worried about the walkers coming because of all the fighting and started to run out of ammo and decided that instead of losing the battle and die, he'd just run over the fences and then rebuild it later. In the show, they had him just run over the fences for no reason except to get all his men killed. Another difference from the comics is that the governor's men are made up of mostly thugs. Even though some of them are good people, he always had a group of men that were as ruthless as he was. This group he made, had was made of idiots and one guy who could drive a tank, which in the comics didn't actually have any ammo. It was just used for intimidation. 
This is the finale we should have got last year, and I loved it, but after it was over, I couldn't help but feel pissed that I got robbed of a half-season minus two bullshit episodes about the governor. I thought that when Glenn Mazzara took over that he'd be the savior of the show, but now I'm starting to think maybe he dropped the ball in his run and left Gimple with a fucking mess to clean up. Pretty much word for word what you said um, before we, we broke into spoilers. Um, yeah... You know, obviously that's where they were going last season. I thought that the, the, the governor's group of thugs, as you put it, um, was pretty much straight up out of the comics. And it's a damn shame that they had to screw that, that good thing. But what are you going to do? Yeah, and I actually like the idea of the tank not having ammo uh, quite a bit better. Like, that, that it's no. not actually a threat, but they don't really know that. Like, I, I don't know if you read my survival guide, but I was just talking about, like, why the hell was Mitch blowing so many holes into the prison? Sure. I mean, that's ostensibly uh, their new home, right? Like, you want to maybe, you want to drive, you want to breach the outer, you want to breach the fence and breach the outer wall in one, maybe two places if you want to set up some flanking opportunities. Why in the hell do you just blow it full of the holes? You're going to have to live there, man. You're going to have to clean all that up. You're going to have to fix it. Mitch was well, you know, not the brightest bulb in the, the barrel, that's no, for sure. No, he was not. No, he was not. He says, uh, Eddie continues with the prison story over. I'm excited as a comic fan as to where they might go with the story. If you've kept up the comics, you know that Rick's group is against a new villain, Negan, who is like the governor but a whole lot more brutal and stronger. The interesting thing about his character is that he's fucking nuts and unpredictable, but he does have a certain moral code. That would be really funny, fun to see on the show. We also have that herd walking around, which the comics makes an appearance after Rick's meets with Abraham and crew. We also have the Hunter story from the comics, which I'm praying they use. Me too, Eddie. If they don't get to the Hunter story, I'm going to be very disappointed because that would be a really nice, tight two or three episode arc. Um, I'm right with you. And uh, with with Negan, he's like the super governor. Um, the governor is crazy. And brutal, but his weakness was he had no mind for tactics. He was not a very good leader. Um, and he also didn't have any kind of grounding moral code after his daughter's dead. Where Megan does have a, a, a sense of fairness and propriety to him that is interesting in someone that's so, as you point out, brutal. Uh, yeah. he, um, so I'm wondering how like they, they make that distinction in the comic because I find it pretty uh I, i'm not sure how they're going to do that in the show like it seems like that is very close to what the governor character we presented with was well and so in the comics it's he recognizes the consequences of things like if if you kill rick in a in a public square execution he he almost seems like a guy who's read his his machiavelli um that that like look I I'm I'm got no interest in making a martyr I'd rather break this guy or get him to make you know swear fealty to me publicly because that has a lot more value than just killing him you know um, and you know he sees that with and, and and with Rick that he's got a situation he has to kind of manage and um, so is he more know, of a politician than the governor was ironically. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a politician. I would say he's a much more effective leader. Um, and he's the first – because at that point in the comics, the, the Rick's team is, uh, is, is a crew of, like, heavyweight badasses. Like, they expect to, you know, roll up on people and, you know, ba kind of, like, in a, in a benevolent way take over. 
Like, they're not weak. They're strong. And Negan is kind of the first character where they and, – and, and they set you up to where you think that he's going to be rolled like all the other evil characters that they meet. But it turns out that, no, they're actually, for the first time, Rick is over, completely overmatched. Um, and Rick has to d- deal with something with a little bit more finesse and cunning than, than he had been, you know, in, in, in some of these episodes. So, um, that's weird like because I, said, I haven't picked up much of that in the story so far, right? Like Rick and his crew don't seem no. to be these huge badasses. They're good at surviving, but when it comes to dealing with people, they've gotten their ass kicked multiple times. That's why, you know, one of the things you, you, you point out about, you know, because you said, well, that's kind of like how we were, kind of depicted the governor i was actually kind of hoping to see david morrissey come back as negan um that they, they basically that he is kind of the evil version of rick how rick is stronger and wiser well so would the governor be too and he's you know since negan is kind of like the death star too he's the same thing only larger stronger and and the stakes are higher um i thought that'd be interesting clearly that's not what we're going to get um which probably is the better choice um you know, honestly, um, but I'm I'm I think that we need a see another season and a half before we get to that storyline. Yeah, personally, and and it's going to take a fine touch, I think, to distinguish Negan from the governor that we saw. Right, and and you know, I think it's especially on cable TV, it's going to be hard to do that. Yeah, because Negan's signature thing is that he swears constantly <laughs> okay like like you think that we're an explicit podcast like every third word is the f word and it's very funny because he's got these like really funny like figures of speech that he throws in the word fuck uh and and it's actually i i find it entertaining except for he's such an asshole um that every time you start finding yourself liking him he'll do something just completely brutal to 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 uh somebody you care about and it's like well shit um so i don't know i, I definitely i want they're going to need to get to a character like negan which is going to be but you you bring up a good point if they bring in him now it, i think people are going to see it as just the governor 2.0 they need some time they need some other threats and they need to they need to build up rick's group to where they can be the equal to that character sure so um Eddie continues with the group scattered. I have a few ideas of what fate might hold based on the show, what the show has shown us uh, and a little from the comics. I know everyone keeps saying that think Tyrese has Judith, but I have a feeling it's actually Michonne who has the baby. They showed us a few scenes earlier in the season with the two of them and Michonne breaking down after having to hold Judith. So it makes sense to have her uh, possibly uh, hear her crying and save her. What do you think of that concept? That's interesting. Uh, I hadn't even thought about it, but so we were asking, like, where the blood came from. Did Michonne have blood on her? I don't think so. No? Okay. Well, there goes Tyrese that was, Yeah, Tyrese was shot and presumably bleeding. Or was he? And not that we saw, no. Oh, yeah, that's true. Huh. Yeah. I don't... I go back and forth about Judith. Um, There's also the, the idea one... that the car seat may have just had blood on it when they found it, right? No. No? no. Where did they get that car seat? Not in the prison. Come on, man! They're gonna put they're gonna put that kid in the bloody car seat. What well, did the blood look fresh? It didn't look fresh to me. I thought it looked fresh, and more to the point, those the car seat covers are detachable. If anything, they would use the car seat and just line it with blankets or something. 
Okay, fair enough. No, I, I think that's I think that's no. I don't I don't like that theory at all. All right. I do like Michonne ending up with her, but again, you know, if you consider the evidence that I include in the thread, and I don't consider it a spoiler because it's it's just evidence, visual evidence from the show. It's really compelling uh, that that they came that that Tyrese and the kids came back for Judith. So uh, he also continues. I think it's official that the two girls are now representing the twins from the comics from the scene with the dissected rat. Which actually, I guess, is a rabbit. Um, Nina from Project Fandom clued me into that. Uh, Carl finds one of them in the comics doing the same thing to a cat in a prison, and then he goes on later to kill his brother, which we've discussed all that in the spoiler thing. I think that's that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, I feel the rest of the season we'll see our group on the road and end with the discovery of the Alexander safe zone. I agree with that 100%. Thanks a lot for the hard work you guys put in the podcast. And let us know if you're planning on podcasting any new shows. House of Cards. I'd like to see the return of your Justified podcast as a whole and not that bald move network shit where you talk about a bunch of shows for like 10 minutes each. Yeah, we don't um, like that either. I liked it as a format. It just was not very popular. Yeah, um, I didn't really like it as a format because it didn't give us a chance to dive very deep into Justified like I wanted to. And also it's just... Uh, a lot more effort to watch that much TV and take a whole bunch of notes on it. That's true. We spend a lot of time watching television, taking notes, which we spend time watching TV anyway, but it's a whole different game when you have to watch it enough to take notes and have an opinion on it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't see us getting back to justified this year. Yeah. Uh, it's something we have actually talked about. Um, we're just not sure about it yet. Yeah, I, I feel like if it was this time next year, we would do it. Um, because, but, but I, I just, you know, we're going to be working full time at least through the first quarter of this next year. And, and I, I don't see us doing that. House of Cards is an interesting case because it's kind of like we get, it's kind of like we get screeners of it all and we can time shift that stuff and they you know, bang out a couple a weekend and, and it's a unique opportunity for us to cover a full show by carving out little niches of our time where we can't do that justified. If we had screeners of the whole season, we could do that, but it's, 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 it's tough the way, the, with the way we work. But thank you for those kind words, Eddie. Uh, we have some now megawatt spoilers. They claim to be megawatt. I, um, I'm going to say that this is just informed speculation at this point because I, I don't have any confidence in spoilers coming out of full, you know, months ahead of the season. But Andrew F. says, just want to throw in my two cents regarding mid-season finale. Um, first, he says, baby Judith, adding some weight to the theory that she is alive and still with Tyrese. When Rick and Carl found the empty, blood-stained baby seat, the buckle was unlocked. I think this is a pretty big hint that one of the group has Judith. Coupled with the sequence of Tyrese chasing her kids, which we talked about. So he's another one that uh, he thinks that she's still alive. Um, then he talks about the spoilers that he got from a, in his, his, he considers a reputable source. Take it with a grain of salt. Uh, episode nine will feature almost entirely Rick and Carl with no attention on the other characters. They will meet a, uh, familiar face. So that last part, if true, is interesting. Um, I do believe episode nine will be entirely about Rick and Carl because Andrew Lincoln so much has said that at the Walker Stalker con. And it's also a classic plot line right out of the comics. Uh, they will meet a familiar face that leads your, your, some credence to your theory about them meeting Morgan. Cause who else could it be? It's him or Carol, right? Yeah. Yeah. It could be Carol as well. 
Uh, maybe they're getting clever with it, and it's Herschel's head. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. Um, Carl has a close shave in episode nine, nearly dying as he leads two walkers away, but gets jumped by a third. However, he kills them before I have a chance to bite him, although they leave them pinned down to the ground. Again, classic comic book plot line of him having to defend his his vulnerable dad. It's it's it's, it's basically I'd said this a megawatt spoiler, so fuck you if you're if you're listening and wanting to complain about it. Um, but it's it's classic role reversal of you know Rick saw Carl as the vulnerable little boy that he has to protect, well now that's going to be you know turned on its head, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Episode 10 sees the arrival of Abraham, Eugene, and Rosita, which we've talked about from the, the comics. Um, they meet up shortly after prison. Abraham is like a big, stereotypical American badass, kind of like a Sergeant Slaughter type of character. Uh, Rosita is like a badass uh, uh, Latino woman. And Eugene is a fat, pudgy nerd who claims to have a a line with the government that's still functional in Washington, D.C. and has to get critical information to them. We'll see how that plays out. That would be an interesting plot line. Episode 11, we'll discover who the mysterious psycho is that killed the rat in episode 8 and who really killed Karen and David after one of the survivors is murdered in the night. Okay. Again, if that's legit, then that suddenly brings the kids as being complicit in the murder of David and and, uh, uh, Karen back, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At the very, very least, it says that Carol probably didn't do it, right? <laughs> right. Um, Judith is definitively alive. Lizzie and Mika ran back to retrieve her after shooting Alicia and the unnamed uh, militia soldier. When Tyrese yelled, hey, we go this way, um, how the blood in the seat will be explained. Um, so that's kind of confirmation of some popular theories that we've, we've already talked about. Uh, Sasha, Sasha and Bob start a relationship. This is the kind of thing where it makes me think it's BS because most of this is connecting dots we already know. And Sasha and Bob start a relationship. Arguably, they already did. So, you know, I've, I saw a lot of this with Breaking Bad and some of this even last week with the, the the Walking Dead spoilers. They're just people making good guesses and passing it off as inside information. And, and honestly, it's gotten so bad I can't tell the difference anymore. So, yeah. Uh- I, I don't know. I mean, spoilers have always been kind of, I guess, the extra the extra something that you right. get on the show. And you've got to take them all with a grain of salt. I don't think you can depend on it. Well, else. I mean, we had a we had a stretch there of, of years where if someone sent us in spoilers, they were detailed and accurate. Yeah, and then we had the one where it was detailed but totally inaccurate. That was the, you know, Skylar getting choked to death by Walt. Oh. And then we had someone that tried to do that to me in the last uh, two episodes of uh, Breaking Bad, but I sniffed it out and said, no, I don't believe it. And now we've had a pretty spotty uh, record with The Walking Dead on this season. I think we've had two solid spoiler reports, and the rest were kind of hit and miss. Some right, a lot wrong. So um, let's see. Both Carol and Morgan will return at some point before episode 15. Uh, they talked about the, the group split up, which we've already talked about. Um, he says group three and five, which is Tyree, Sasha, Bob, Maggie, and the children, and uh, five, which is the Busk, Lynn, and other background characters, meet up shortly into episode 10 with group four, which is Daryl and Beth, joining them slightly later. So it sounds like most of the band, short of Michonne, 
Rick and Car- Carl get met up with pretty quick in the season. The two new groups come together at the Alexander Safe Zone in Episode 11. Ah, that sucks. That really sucks. It says episode 15 leaves the biggest cliffhanger of the series, ending with simply a man's feet walking in. A baseball bat hangs by his sides. He says, so which one of you pricks is the leader? That's very strongly implying that Negan comes in at the end of episode 15. I don't like the, any of that. I don't, I, <laughs> getting to the Alexander safe zone in episode 11 precludes the Hunter storyline, uh, which uh, Andrew himself uh, mentioned as well. I think it's too soon after the governor to introduce Negan. We don't have enough of them on, you know, the adventures on the road. And honestly, if they get there, they're like a half season away from catching up the comic books. And then where do they go? I mean, this yeah. isn't a George R. R. Martin scenario where I don't, I don't think Kirkman has any one idea set on what the truth is in his universe. But it's kind of troubling that they would just be making shit up from that point. <laughs> Yeah, they'd be making shit up, and then what happens to the comic in that case, right? Is it then... I think, Yeah, I feel it, like it goes... Is it a role reversal like you are talking about? I feel like it goes J.J. Abrams' Star Trek at that point, where... Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you Rick just, comes back and saves himself, and... Yeah, the, the, the future... Yeah, comic Rick, Rick comes to the TV show and just saved yeah. real Rick. Yeah, I, I just... I don't know, man. It would be uncharted territory. All right, is, is that it for spoilers? No, nope. we okay. just have two left, um, and they're relatively short. Uh, David K says, I agree with you that Carol's character finally became interesting, and I'm kind of glad that the show didn't ruin it with a weird three-way with Rick and Lori proposition as they did in the comic book. Yep, that was weird. I'm fairly excited at the prospect of there being a spinoff show about her, and thinking about what they could do with her character, I started thinking about the comic books and their, where they have taken the story thus far. Not sure if you completely caught up with it yet. I have. Jim is not. But we're wondering. But after wandering and going from place to place, Rick's motley crew finally ends up in a walled neighborhood and try to make a go of it. During their time there, they come across three much larger colonies of people, one of which is known as a hilltop. They seem to set up a large compound with high walls and are getting along well. There are two other groups, one of which is a group of degenerates led by a character named Negan, who would best be played, in my opinion, by Danny McBride. I don't agree with you there, Dave. Um, that would be an interesting take on the character. Um, it would be great to see Carol meet up with one of these groups and we can follow the development of their societies, which we don't have much insight into in the comic books. That's actually a solid idea if they set it in one of those communities. And then you could also have some crossovers from time to time for, you know, sweeps week and whatnot. Um, also I hope that in future seasons we have more flashbacks of characters and what they did to initially survive the Zompocalypse. I think it would tell us a lot about these characters and help remind us of how far some of them have come to survive almost two years in the world of the undead. What do you think of that last bit? Because uh, we're a big fan of flashbacks, but I think they're done. Yeah, I don't think uh, we yeah. see them anymore. I think in this show, the time for flashbacks has come and gone. It was it was the, the Laurie flashback we got with Carl, um, the Shane flashback. That's That's probably the extent we're going to see. Yeah, I mean, I, it pains me to admit that because I think they're an excellent storytelling tool, and I'm would love to know more about what happened with the Fall of Society. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I just don't think that the showrunners see it the same way we do. So, 
one last one, Jack H. from Portland. I think we can all agree that The Walking Dead has gone as dark as it's ever been. I think they will add a little bit of sweet to counterbalance the sour of the midseason finale. A couple ideas of how the show will go about this. First of all, comic fans know the upcoming episode will probably be a full-on heartwarming moment of Carl nursing Rick back to health. Although that gets pretty dark in places, too. Um, I think a reminder that Carl is still just a kid and really loves and needs his father will prove to be effective in getting a little good feeling back. Totally agree. Second, I believe Judith is alive. I could totally see this realization coming at the end of the first episode back. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of people will be relieved to discover that the aftermath of prison isn't quite as awful as they originally thought. I'm pretty sure Tyrese has her, as per the evidence I've seen on Reddit. This worries me a little, though. I don't want a baby to take away from his character development. Um, so I've been kind of down on Judith coming back alive just from a storytelling point, but that's not a bad point, that she's a little bit of sweet sweetness and light to the the dark and depression and death. Um, yeah, no, that's that's certainly true. You could get behind that? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I th- I'm almost positive it is going to happen. Uh, so, like like he said, I think it will be a welcome thing when it does. Yeah. His point is, I don't think the cable TV show can stay this dark for too long. Plus, you got to build the audience back up so you can crush them again later. Indeed. And that's all I got, man. Okay, cool. Well, then this podcast is done. This season is done. And, yeah, uh, we'll be back eventually. Weird, weird, weird to say that, but it is sad but true. We got a couple months off before we get right back into it. Yep. So we're going to enjoy those. You guys should enjoy those, too. The holidays coming up and everything. Uh, and we'll be back in February. Uh, yeah, I wish I had remembered to said that, but uh, very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Um, I'll probably be posting stuff on Facebook, and I'm sure Jim will be tweeting, tweetering. Uh, we'll get that Kickstarter fulfillment done to get to get that uh, start the new year fresh. And uh, I'm very excited about 2014 and what we'll be doing. Got a lot of cool stuff planned. Yep, so am I. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you then. See ya.